What is happening, sports fans? Every time you hear that marching band, you know that we are marching back toward the football season. Christian Pedersen here with SD Prep Insider. And I am very, very lucky to be joined. Uh, I always say today, but it's tonight, tomorrow, yesterday, whenever you're listening to this, by Verlaine Batoffi, Coach V. Uh, he is the head man in charge of everything Team Mikasi. He is also the offensive coordinator at Kearney High School and the uh, main man between the behind the hashtag party in the end zone. Verlaine, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. How's it going, Christian? I'm doing pretty well. Did I leave anything out on that introduction? Uh, no, you didn't. I think that's pretty. You're not like a you're uh, not like a fourth degree black belt or something else that you're hiding uh, some other nah. skill set behind that. No, nah, I don't do that. I just, you know, <laughs> coach football after this. <laughs> hey, that's uh, you know, you don't just coach football. You are a, a, a you know the most recent tweet that I see uh, on your Twitter. You're you're a leader of young men. Uh, you I saw you were talking to uh, Isaiah McDaniel's. Yeah. From uh, Madison, formerly, and uh, so. Don't sell yourself short that you are just a football guy, but that is ultimately why we have you here on the show. So for Lane, we got a little bit over a month, I think exactly a month now until football gets underway here uh, in training camp in San Diego. Uh So can we do a little recap of what you've seen this summer before we look forward? Yes. Yeah, we could do that. All right. So you've been talking or you've been at pretty much every seven on seven tournament, correct? Yes, I've seen most of them, at least I've been out. Yeah, we participated in a few, and some I've just went just to watch and, you know, check out some guys. So starting with just, we can start internally with who is on Team Mikasi and then work our way through just some of the other people that had kind of uh, impressed you a little bit. But just off of what you've seen from the Team Mikasi squad this year, give us, us being San Diego wide, give us a little bit of insight on, on who might be blowing up this season. Uh, I could tell you some of the guys that, you know, are are going to be up and coming and some of the guys that I've been, you know, doing already that people know. Um, I would say Keontae Springs, you know, he's a guy that, you know, was dominating in the 7-7 circuit this uh, offseason. Uh, the UC quarterback, Gunnar Gray, he played really great. You know, he was making a lot of plays and, you know, putting the ball in the money a lot. Um, you know, we got a couple guys from Helix, two uh, receivers that are in a, under the radar, a guy named Cameron. Brown, who's uh, who's I think is explosive and, and makes plays, t- catches the ball every time they throw to him. We had Darius Delareas, uh, you know that's at Lincoln right now. You know he did a really good job as well. Uh, there's an underrated guy also. He's a Valhalla named Josh Meredith. Uh, you know I think his ceiling is, is is crazy. You know he's fast, athletic. I mean he he's one of those guys that I think if he keeps getting better, you know I think he has a chance to play in the Pac-12. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, we had uh, Olan Kazad. You know, he's at Kearney with me. He did really well. Uh, there's a, a Delshawn trailer. I mean, he he uh, committed a Nate to, to Army, and he's just one of the best kids you'll ever coach. He was our leader. You know, always got his going and everything like that. He was playing free safety for us. Uh, Elijah Thomas out of Mayor Mesa, I think he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people know of right now, but, you know, he's a guy that has, you know, immense talent. Uh and we got a couple of young guys uh, that's ridiculous as well that, you know, that were on our other team that's going to, I think, make some noise this year in San Diego County. And and Nico Estrada as well. He was uh, He's at Kearney as well. He's going to play running back and, and safety. He's another guy that I think that's going to blow up this, this upcoming season. Now, you say our other team. Is this the first year that Mikasi has had two squads all summer? Uh, 
No, this is the second year we've had two squads, but this year we had like two really, you know, even our younger team was really, really good. So, you know, they competed against, you know, all the teams that, you know, the older squad competed against. So, you know, we have some younger guys there that's going to be incoming freshmen that I think are going to make the impact on varsity, you know, right away. That's got to feel pretty nice having uh, the dream or the, the brainchild of yours, Team McCossie, growing into two solid groups of kids that you, you've got under your wing all summer long. Yeah, it's a blessing just, uh, you know, helping these young men out and, uh, you know, just be the part of their life. You know, it's, it's definitely a blessing. So how, how large has the family become? Because I know these are basically all your adopted children. Um, so you, you are now a father to what, several hundred kids? Oh, man, it's a, yeah, it's a lot, you know, dating back from, you know, the first five kids, which were uh, Eric Buchanan, Brandon Lewis, Mark Quinlan, Elijah Thomas, uh, Isaiah McDaniel. You know, those were all like our first, you know, kind of group of kids that 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 were part of, you know, you know, uh, Team Akasi. Now, you know, we've had the Carson Bakers come through there, the Rashad Scotts, you know, the Michael Shawcross. You know, the Martell Irby's, you know, the Tim Patrick, Shamar Martins, Keenan Christian. So we've grown big time. And, you know, I still have a great relationship with all those guys. And, you know, we talk all the time. A lot of times when they come back, you know, we'll, we'll get a workout or two down here and stuff. So, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong relationship with, you know, with us. So um, it's kind of my sub question I think I want to get into you with about what you see at at, a, at all these different passing tournaments because I, I think that right now seven on seven is the hottest thing within the world of football. Everybody loves the momentum you pick up, the prestige you pick up, the fact that your team is getting pretty fast paced game speed type reps as yeah. somebody who yourself is an offensive coordinator. How much stock are you putting into what you see really in terms of the nitty gritty oh, this route, that route, this combination of receivers, or do you just like it for the sense that your guys are practicing football and staying in shape? To me, it's a little bit of both, you know, for me as an offensive coordinator, I throw the ball a lot. So uh, it really teaches, you know, our receivers, you know, route discipline about, you know, if we want you to get 12 yards, you don't get eight yards, you get 12 yards for a reason, you know, making sure you stay flat on a certain route. So I think, if you're a passing school, even if you don't pass a lot, I think seven on seven is tremendous because it really helps out. Helps out with the timing with the quarterback. It helps out with just you know a lot of little minute stuff that you can coach. And and the best thing about it is you get a chance to compete against other schools. So you know there's other schools that you know that run the wing T. I still think it helps them out as well. But you know they're more you know relying on you know on you know on the run game and stuff like that. But I still think it's I, I think it's the best way to play football not playing football, you know. So I think uh, 7-on-7 seven seven has kind of turned into what AAU basketball used to be, kind of, you know, growing up in the you know early 2000s and stuff like that, where, like, it does help a lot of these kids. And another thing I always tell coaches is, you know, keep these guys out of trouble, you know, instead of, you know, going to do something, in the, you know, in the springtime, you know, they'll go compete with their 7-on-17. Seven seven they'll be at a tournament all day. So I think it, it really does help, you know, offensively. I'm glad you bring up the parallel of the AAU basketball um, for myself. And I'm assuming you as well, seven on seven and this whole concept of spring football was sort of not really a thing when we went through high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, for my personal recollection, especially, you know, I played fullback and I, when we ever, we, whenever we did do any sort of this summer passing league type stuff, I absolutely hated it because it involved 
taking four steps up to the line and simulating a block. And, and exactly. so I think there's a lot of people like myself who either didn't grow up with it or didn't play a position where they understand it and they see it as, well, that's not real football. That's just, you know, it's just flag football. You're not doing anything. But to make that parallel of AAU, this is where some guys actually break onto the scene. This is some, where some guys go from a relative unknown to, whoa, that guy caught like 40 touchdowns this summer. You know, that guy yeah. picked off a couple of huge, we saw, uh, I believe it was Xavier Hamlet with a big interception at the Southwest tournament for uh, yeah. for Lincoln's team. And that's where some guys now are actually starting to say, hey, look, we don't need to wait until game seven of my senior year for me to make five big sacks or something like that to make a name. Guys can actually start to turn some heads a little bit in this tournament type play in the offseason. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and also, if you just look at just, the, you know, where college, I mean, football is going, period. Like, you know, back when we played, you know, you ran a lot of, you know, tight ends, fullbacks and stuff like that. You know, now in, you know, high school football, you know, a lot of teams are spread. In college football, almost every team is spread football. So if you notice, there's a lot of, you know, receivers being able to come in in college programs and playing right away. You know, because, you know, you're you're playing in the spread system, you know, all year round, you know, with seven on seven and everything like that. So I think the correlation does work from, you know, seven on seven to, uh, you know, uh, to actual football. But, you know, you also got to put on the, the pads and get hit and different things like that. But I think if you're getting out of what you want to get out of seven on seven, which is timing, you know, which is knowing your your, your routes, which is knowing your, your, your personnel, what guys can do. You know, and you always get a couple guys that out of nowhere, they just start standing out and they get that confidence. And I think a lot of football sometimes is just about confidence. A lot of people have ability, but once you know you can make those plays and start making it routinely, you know, your confidence just skyrockets and it doesn't, and you don't have to wait till a season to gain their confidence. You know, you can gain it, you know, playing against other teams. So I think, I think there's a correlation in both. Well, and especially with, CIF cutting down the preseason for you know from three weeks to two weeks. Would you say that yeah. this is a bonus for the offense to be like, hey, look, we don't, we're not coming in August first. Hey, we haven't thrown to each other in four months. We don't really know our timing right now. It, it's more about just getting back to the pads and not necessarily yep. have. So teams are almost, you know, they, they can make up that one week with no problem now because they can spend the off season actually playing something akin to real football. Exactly. And if you're, uh, you know, like if you're a passing school or you throw the ball a lot, I would say, you know, you have you can focus on a run game a lot more pass because the run game is more, you know, you need you need linemen, you need, uh, you know, you need guys in front of them, you need pad, you know. So, you know, your passing game is basically down. You kind of know what you want to do, what you're good at. You know, of course, you'll add a few wrinkles here with screens and stuff. But, you know, you get you get to largely focus on your run game, you know, which is. You know, I think the number one part of football, you got to be able to run the ball. So, uh, so I think it does help you. Do so, that. so let me ask but, you then something of a, of an extreme end type of question. According to an article yeah. that was published in the Washington Post uh, last year, twenty the twenty eighteen season was the first time that there was less than one million high school students nationally playing high school football, and that is a number that has dropped rapidly in the last decade or so since concussions and injuries have become very, very public. Do you yeah. see there being a world where seven on seven exists? I'm not going to say ahead of regular football, but parallel to maybe as a spring sport in high school and college 
And, and do you see it becoming that popular in the future, or will this always just be a tune-up for the regular season? Uh, I think it will always just be a tune-up for the regular season. You know, I can't see where, you know, 707 becomes the sport of football. I just think it's uh, – I think it's really big now because I think the last 20 years or so, you know, no one could ever find a way of playing football and keeping it organized without tackling. You know what I mean? So I think 707 – once it got, you know, uh, once it got its momentum, you know, people kind of found a way of being able to play football, get live reps, compete, and uh, you know, get better, you know, without actually, you know, tackling. So I, I don't ever think it would become its own sport, but I do think it's gonna. Uh, I, I I still think it's gonna get bigger and bigger because you know, even when you play in these circuits, like some of these tournaments you go to, you have 120 teams that are competing. So. You know, there's talent all over, but I always think it'll be a tune-up, you know. Okay, football. so for somebody that has not gone to check out one of these tournaments before, just kind of walk them through, you know, the logistics of, of how many games do you play in a tournament? What exactly does a game look like? Kind of paint the picture for the, the uninitiated to 7-on-7 seven seven football. So it depends. You know, some tournaments are, uh, you'll see some tournaments. Let's say, let's, let's say hypothetically one of the bigger ones. Okay, one of the bigger ones, I would say you might get 48 teams or something like that. So you go, you know, you'll have four. Usually you'll play, you know, three to four games and then the top seeds with the most points kind of qualify. And then you'll, after you play your three to four games, so if you go three and one, you might be an eight seed. You'll play like the, you know, the 32nd seed or something like that. And, you know, one. then if you win, you, you move on, you win, you move on. So that's how it goes down. So, you know, I know for us in Makasi this year, we played in six tournaments. I think we played in four championship games. So there was tournaments sometimes where we were there for eight hours. You know what I mean? We'll play our four games. And you're playing and then, half you know, we, field? Yeah, half, half field. It's half four, field? It's four, it's four, it, yep, it's 40 yards. You know, you get, uh, you know, three plays to get 10 yards. You get another three plays to get 20 yards. And then when you get a red zone, which gets tighter, you get like four plays to score. And then once you score, you could either go for one on a five or go for two on a 10. So, you know, there's different kind of rules a little bit, but most likely those are, you know, kind of the rules that that's equal across the board for everything. So that's how some of these tournaments win. If you, you know, you do win, you know, you get trophies and, you know, bragging rights and things like that. So I've been fortunate enough on a seven on seven circuit to win about three tournaments. So, you know, we, you know, you go against some of these teams, like you go against the LA, you know, they'll have 20 guys on the team with 15 offers, you know what I mean? So, you know, your guys are going against live, I mean, I'll get some high-level competition. And I know for my guys, a lot of my guys come back and tell me, you know, once they come back and play at their high schools, you know, the game slows down big time. You know, the, the competition is not as hard because they're used to going against a 6-2 corner in L.A. that has 10 offers or, you know, one of these really good corners. You know, now, you know, you're going against guys that are pretty good but not as talented as maybe – you know, some of these all-star teams that are put together. You know what I mean? Well, I think so you bring really up in, in that all-star team type mentality, I think you bring up an interesting point where I, you know, I get a lot of people who say, oh, we need to make this a spring sport. You know, we need to make this team X plays together in the fall, team X plays again together in the spring. But to me, that yeah. kind of limits the ability to say, hey, look, Team Mikasi is going to take – the, the whoever wants to come from around the county and we're going to take them up to LA and expose them to really legitimately big time talent in a way that would be harder to do if everybody was so caught up in, Oh, we've got to win Eastern league, both in the fall and in the spring, we got to win, you know, these, these two rivalries here down in San Diego and only we get to play one non-league out of section game, but instead getting to say, Hey, look, 
countywide, whoever wants to come participate, we'll take the best, the baddest, whoever's hungry to learn, and we'll go, we'll go take a couple L's, but we'll we'll show you guys what real adult sized football is like. Yeah. And, and, and you know, for me, I get it from both uh, both perspectives because I I'm also a high school football coach, so I know, you know, coaches want to keep their guys together. They want to build a team chemistry and everything like that. But I also think that, you know, if you have a guy that's really, really high level, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, him playing against, you know, a school that he might dominate, I don't know how much better that's going to get him during the spring. But if you do take him up to L.A. or, you know, you do take him up to Arizona or even Northern California, you know, some of these high-level teams, you know. So you got to look at it. Some of these teams, they'll be like, the top players in the Eastern League. If you put all the top players in the Eastern League together, even though all of them might not go D1, you still got a you know a hell of a squad with a lot of talented guys. So you're going against teams like that, and then even some of these other teams will have you know eight to ten Division One guys on their team. You know some even fifteen to twenty. So now you got your top player competing against those guys, and you know all it's going to do is get him better because iron sharp sharpens iron. You know, so I, I'm a believer in you know playing against the best, you know, and then that way when you get back to your school, I'm not saying the competition is not going to be as good, but, you know, if you're going against the all-star team, you know, a high school team is not going to be an all-star team. So you're going to, you know, your confidence is going to be better. You know, you're going to, you know, play against least talented guys as far as overall across the board. And I think you're going to do better because of that. You know, that's just my, uh, you know, kind of opinion on that. I would interject that, absolutely I don't want to come across as offending anybody but I have watched games in the southern section and in the LA city section and San Diego has some very talented schools and individual players but we're not a football town we're not a hundred teams deep with schools that are just crazy talented and you go to some of these games in the Trinity League and and you go to Narbonne and Long Beach Poly and you see oh wow that's what you know, having 10 guys with 10 offers really looks like that's next level football. So I think that there's times, yeah, when it is good to say, Hey, let's, let's put aside the rivalries here in San Diego for a little bit. Let's all come together and let's get better as a section, as a city, as a County, so that when we get back here in fall, we can all split back up and we can really go at it. And and together it's a more elevated product section wide. Yes. And and, and I agree with you. You know, I'm a San Diego guy. I think, you know, overall, we have, you know, there's a lot of talent in San Diego, but, you know, those schools, L.A. is just four or five times bigger than San Diego. So, of course, they're going to have more guys. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So, like, so it's just, you know, just, you know, logistics-wise, they're going to have more guys and more talent because, you know, they got four or five times more of the people we got. But I do agree, like I said, when we compete a lot, you know, we try to go to L.A. and compete against a lot of those guys. You know, we played against a lot of those Narbonne guys and, you know, some of the modern day guys and things like that. So, you know, it is a different brand of football. And then it's good for our guys because, you know, a lot of our guys, you know, at least a team of Costa are going to play college football. So they're going to go against a lot of different guys from other states and other areas. So it kind of gives you a tune-up of, you know, just, you know, just just just, just football around. So I think it does, it, it helps big time. Well, and there is a couple other differences. And stop me if you feel like as a high school official coach, you don't want to wade into this and comment on this but teams from the la city and southern section are under different realities of the transfer rules and you'll you'll get some squads in the southern section where a kid will be four different schools in four years because he goes wherever there's an opportunity to play wide receiver because he's a big star but he doesn't want to wait and, and and grind it out so he just goes wherever there's an offense or he goes where there's a good quarterback who can pair up and make him look nice 
And in San Diego, the rules are a little bit more restrictive. The, the section is trying to keep kids at their intended school for academics, for you know, locality, for region. And, and so if you, if you feel like you would like to comment on this, where would you like this to go? Stay as is, open up the transfer rules, just let anybody go anywhere. Do you think there even is a problem with it right now? Or, or is it something that really is kind of overblown? Um, it, it's, it's tough, you know, man, because, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the Southeast. So, you know, when I, uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, none of us, most of us didn't even go to our neighborhood schools. You know, we all got, you know, bust out, you know, we all went to Madison, a couple of the other kids went to, you know, Mission Bay, they went all different places. So, you know, um, so I don't think there's, I, I don't think there's, if, if a kid to me, if a kid wants to do what's best for him, like, you know, I don't think like what's wrong with it. If his parents think that's, you know, that's best for him. It's like anybody, like if you get a job and you get another job offer and you want to, you know what I mean? You want to go take that job, you know, you got to do what's best for you at the end of the day. So, I don't know. I, I look at it from both sides. Like I said, I try to be kind of even with, with it. You know, I look at it from both sides. But I do feel like, you know, if a family wants to do what's best for his kid, you know, he should be allowed to. But also, you know, look at it from the other side. Let's say you're a school that, you know, that hasn't been doing really well. And, you know, your kids are leaving because they want other opportunities. So it just it's one of those, you know, things where I, I leave it like to me, it's up to the family. If the family feels like it's best for them, you know, let them do that. I think as, you know, as educators, you know, we should, uh, you know, support them or, you know, if you're not, if you don't like it, then you don't like it. But things like that, I try not to get caught up in the whole transfer stuff and stuff like that. I just try to, you know, coach kids, you know, give my opportunity, you know, with Team Mikasi and just, you know, just go from there. I mean, for me personally, and I'd love to hear your input on this, I think that it it needs to just get opened up let anybody transfer anywhere. I think that there would be a year or two of insanity of a bunch of people leaving, going different places. But then ultimately I think people would realize that the concept of a super team isn't necessarily great for the people that are trying to do what's best for themselves because you want to go where you're going to get reps and going where there's five great wide receivers might make you a state championship team, but it's going to make you a state championship team where everyone's getting about four touches a game. And I think ultimately everybody would realize that, yes, this gives the student athlete the chance to do what is best for themselves. But I think time would prove over a while that maybe transferring isn't really truly what's best because, you know, you're going to go somewhere and then that team's going to be like, oh, well, we've got this kid. Let's bring in this kid, this kid, this kid. Next thing you know, you're sixth on the depth chart. So, yeah, I think I think that's what they're trying to, you know, stop is, you know, they don't want it to be a, a big free agency thing going on with kids or, you know. But I think a lot of the transfers, though, like, you know, I think some of the coaches are thinking that, you know, you got these kids, you know, it's just a different age now. Like, these kids all know each other. I know when I was going to school, like, I didn't know – none of the guys that went to other schools basically unless they grew up in my neighborhood you know what i mean but like now oh, none Twitter of them. You, you would know them by by number only you'd be like oh that was 38 from last year who ex- ran me over exactly exactly now it's like you know you got you know you got instagram you got facebook you got twitter you got snapchat so these kids all know each other you know what i mean and uh, you know and plus when i was playing you know, unless you were like reggie bush or one of these like top top guys you got all the the praise you know but now 
you know, you got guys that are not even, you know, that are, are, you know, will go D3 and get a lot of praise, which I think is good for the kids. But it wasn't like that, you know, we're growing up. It was like if you weren't one of the top five guys, you didn't get the praise. But now, you know, 100 kids get praises, which I think is great because, you know, kids do deserve it because a lot of these kids work hard. So I think it's just a little different from – Well, let me ask you about that then. Um, uh, Team McCossey, and you can find them – it's at Team McCossey, correct, on Twitter? Yes, yep. Uh, M-A-K-A-S-I. Uh, you can also yep. find Verlaine at Coach V McCossey on Twitter. Um, McCossey, very active on Twitter. You personally are very active on Twitter. And I, I know that you are, you, are, you are far from being old, but I know that also yeah. in the world of social media and, and the generation gap can grow very quickly from you know, me at 28 versus the kids right now at 18, I'm having to learn from the kids, Instagram filters and that kind of stuff. So exactly how, how did you realize, Hey, look, this is just going to be something that Mikasi is going to have to do. We're like, you're saying, we're going to have to give these kids love. We're going to have to reach them on social media. I got to learn how to be good at Twitter. Um, for me, it's, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep up with the times. you know, you can be one of these, you know, old school guys that's, you know, stuck in your ways and don't want to evolve and grow. You know, I've always was a believer where, you know, you can't, the day you stop learning is the day you should die. You know what I mean? So I think as coaches, as, you know, as, you know, adults or anything, you know, I think, you know, you can use Twitter as something that's positive, you know, spreading your message or, you know, just, you know, helping these kids out, you know, with, with a lot of different things, you know. So, you know, generation has just changed. You know what I mean? A lot of things are done, you know, online. So, you know, you got to be able to keep up with, you know, what's going on in the world, you know, or you could, you know, stick yourself back in a dinosaur age and, and just kind of get passed up. So I think it's, it's just about keeping up and knowing what's going on. And I was going to say, you, you use the word positive in there, and I'm glad because I was going to compliment you of belonging to positive Twitter. Because I don't, I don't think that Twitter can always be the happiest, most enjoyable place. But yeah, um, yeah. So definitely, for those of you listening right now who are coaches, uh, administrators, anybody that's in the world of recruiting and or seven on seven teams, take a look at what Mikasi is doing and and just understand that that is a successful format because. I would assume that that's how you reach a lot of the potential kids who want to come play for your organization and or coaches. Like, like what is your, what would you say is the split of, of time you do communicating like via DM and on Twitter versus actually phone calls and, and texting? Um, it's just, you know, I've always believed if you, if you're doing things for the right reason and you're, and you're doing a great job, you know, eventually it's going to grow to the point where, you know, people want to come be a part of it. So, you know, I've been blessed and, you know, I have a great coaching staff. I have, you know, a great group of guys that all have one common goal, you know, that, that do a, a great job as far as coaching the kids, mentoring and everything like that. So, you know, there's, there's times that, you know, a kid would DM me, you know, interested in wanting to play or a parent, or reach out via email or be out, you know, reach out via Instagram and things like that, interested in, you know, coming out for Makasi. So, you know, last year we had a trial. We had like a hundred kids, you know, come out and try out. So I think if you if you're doing things for the right reason and you're doing it the right way, you know, you're putting the kids first, I think, you know, eventually everything's gonna, you know, grow and come exactly how you want. I'm I'm a big spiritual guy and I believe, you know, whatever you put out in the world, you kind of get it back. So, you know, if you're, if you're doing it for the right reason, it's going to come back to you. So I just kind of live by that faith. 
All right, so I'm looking at the Team Mikasi page right now, and I'm looking up at your banner pick on your Twitter, and I see six different, uh, seven different coaches. How many different schools do you have represented in your Mikasi coaching staff? Oh, man, we're, uh, we have uh, Coach uh, TJ McKay. He's the uh, defensive coordinator in Montgomery. Uh, he's, man, one of the best people and coaches you'll find. He played at San Diego State, um, you know, from 2004 to 2008, uh, he, he's on staff. He does a great job coaching the defense. Uh, we got Coach Long. Uh, he played college football as well. Uh, you know, graduated from 05 to about 2009. He he coached at Madison and at Lincoln. Uh, we have Coach uh, Eddie Amon. You know, he coached uh, Sweetwater back in the days, and he worked for Pine Sports. His son, or Daniel Amon, and um, his other son, um his other son played quarterback at Sweetwater as well when they won CIF. We got Coach Shawcroft, which is uh, Michael Shawcroft's dad. He's a, uh, he coached at Helix, and he's the linebackers coach at Mount McGill right now. We have Coach uh, Greg Baker, who's uh, Carson Baker's dad. You know, he coached uh, Helix and coached at a you know Pop Warner growing up. Um, man, we got a we got a you know Coach Don who coaches with, coaches with me at Kearney. He does a good job. The kids love him. Uh, so we got a night, we got a good coaching staff of guys that, you know, are all about coach Jones as well. I can't forget him. He's the defensive coordinator at modern day. He also coaches offense. He coached with me at Madison and uh, was the head coach at Bonita Vista. So now we have a lot of, you know, young, knowledgeable guys that, you know, that just have one common goal, which is, you know, just helping out these kids and, you know, try to get them better and mentoring them and try to get them to the next level. So that's kind of, you know, we have a great, great group of young men that lead these kids. Well, I think it's interesting just how many different schools you have represented there, because this, this really isn't something where it's, Oh, I got my Kearney coaching staff and one guy from Madison or Lincoln or one of your other previous stops and, and we're bringing kids from all over to come work with them personally. You're saying, Hey, look, I want people that are good at football. I want people that want to help, make a good team and you got some guys on the offensive side, you got some guys on the defensive side. I also like football that involves no kickers. So I will always take yep. it when you have no special teams coaches involved anywhere. <laughs> uh, Cause they are a kooky bunch of people. Um, exactly. I don't think I've ever met a special teams coach uh, that is uh, particularly a, uh, a grounded or normal individual. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm trying to think, Oh, I, I should remember his name. The, the guy who was the special teams coach at Madison um, oh, that's my guy, Paul Abrahamson. That's, yeah, that's, Abrahamson. Yeah, Coach Abe is my guy, man. I love that guy. We're really, you know, we talk a lot. Oh, Mike, no, he, he, for those of you that know, he, he is an absolute legend. He's a, a, a middle school and high school social studies teacher and really like PE teacher. PE teacher. Uh, he was a social yeah. studies in, in my middle school. Um, okay. Uh, but he's PE now at Kearney and I just, uh, Madison, or Madison, Madison. sorry. Uh, cause I saw him at Kearney was the last time I saw him. Um, but for those of you that, that don't know, just, just know that when I say that this dude is, is entertaining, it, it is the, the most understatement of, 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 a, of the, of this whole interview is you can, you can talk to him for 25, 30 minutes and not have talked about football, but still come away feeling just charged up and ready to go play football. Like he, he's a fun dude, uh, but oh, at the he, same time, he's, he's a he's a special best. teams coach for a reason. Yeah, he's the best. Coach A, that's my guy right there. He's such a great guy, man. He's, he's one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. So, Verlaine, uh, when, when I first answered the phone and, and before we started this interview, you were talking about today you were interviewing coaches. So, you mind if we switch over to some Kearney stuff for a little while? Yeah, we can switch over. 
All right, so last year you guys scored something like, I want to say it was about 250 million points during the regular season. Uh, um, a slight yeah, over-exaggeration. Oh, I, got the, I got the stats right here, if, uh, if you'll give me a second. My internet's always choosing the wrong times to be slow. Let's see, last year's team stats, alleging that none of these are inflated by Verlaine. Uh, you guys were just over 200 yards rushing and over 200 yards receiving per game. Uh, let's see, uh, Deuce Reynolds with 24 touchdowns. You guys had a, had a total of, you scored 75 touchdowns on the season. Um, pretty insane yeah. year. Uh, you guys go 11-2. Yeah. You make it all the way. In, you make a pretty deep run in the playoffs from Division Four. You've now been moved up to Division Three. It seemed uh-huh. like last year was the the. I mean, that last year was a huge step in the right direction at Kearney. Am I correct? Yes, yes. Last year was, I think, the year we broke out and you know, kind of show the county that you know we can you know compete at a at a high level. You know what I mean? So. uh you know, we did, we had a really good year offensively and defensively. I think we broke every school record on offense and defense. You know, we, we let the county, we averaged like 44 points a game. You know, we're one of the, you know, put up, you know, big numbers, you know, on defense. We had like seven or eight shutouts. So it was one of those years where, you know, everything kind of came together. The kids all bought in. Five you know I mean? shutouts yeah. in a row at one point during the middle of the season. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So offensively and defensively, we were, we were on a roll. You know, we did things that, you know, never was done at Kearney before. And it was our first time playing in a CIF championship game at Kearney since like for like 29 years. So, you know, it was a step in the right direction and we're, we're definitely building on it. And, you know, we expect, you know, we expect the same thing this year, honestly. So just to give everybody out there a little bit of history on you, you have been a, you were receivers coach at Madison. Is that correct? Yeah, so I uh, my first two year, three years at Madison, I was the receivers coach, and then my last two years, I was the uh, the passing game coordinator and receiver coach. So me and you know Coach Jackson, you know, kind of you know he'll call the 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 run the run game, and you know I call called you know most of the pass plays. So and that involved that involved two CIF championships and two state playoff runs, correct? Yes, that's two state two state titles. Yeah, yeah so two state titles. So there. two CIF championships, two state championships, tons of success. You then spent was it it was one year at Lincoln, correct? Yep, one so, year on Lincoln. Yep, and that was your first time being the offensive coordinator. Uh, and then you come over to Kearney, where you go from offensive coordinator, kind of doing everything last year, to now you've set new CIF records. You. You are. I, I'm getting the sense that you feel like you're home because you're, you're you're out there hiring coaching staff. You're building the program. Am I right to say use the word home? Is that where you feel like you've landed now? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know about home, but I'm I'm there, and I love Kearney. I love you know. I love all my world. I love Madison. You know, I went to Madison. You know, I love Lincoln. I thank Coach Jackson for giving me the opportunity. I love Lincoln. Our coach. I thank Coach Dunn for giving me my first opportunity and, and running an offense. I you know Lincoln was great. Uh, we did some amazing things there from, you know, winning three-story passing leagues from, you know, averaging about 40 points. And, you know, um, and then at Kearney, we did, you know, we did some amazing things as well. So I think all the stops that I've been at, which have been three schools, you know, the coaches have been amazing. You know, Coach Will Gray has, you know, been nothing. But, you know, he basically told me that, you know, he wanted to, you know, give me the assistant head coach job. He wanted me, he wanted to learn from me. He wanted me to help him build a program, you know, being at Madison, I came from a program and then being at Lincoln, 
you know, we kind of helped, you know, build that program and they're doing great things right now. And then, you know, at Kearney, we're building this program. So it was a challenge for me because I got a chance to, you know, to get to a program that wasn't, you know, at a, at a high level and try to help, you know, build it. So I think everywhere I've been at has been home. So I don't look at it like, you know, this is home, this is home. I just look at it as everywhere I've been at has been home. But you're at least setting down some more roots if you're bringing in a little bit of a staff. Any chance that this is switching to a heavy run offense or is there going to be just way more, more not way more, but more of the same next year with a ton of passing for Kearney? Uh, uh, I think the uh, misnomer about the offense is people think we throw the ball a lot, but if you look at the stats, we're like balanced. We're like, honestly, we're probably like 52% run, 47% pass. So I, I, I've always believed that, you know, the more balanced you are in football, the, the harder it is for defenses to kind of know what you're doing. So, you know, I like, you know, kind of being balanced because it keeps the defenses off their heel. But, you know, we returned five, you know, starting offensive linemen this year. So I think we're going to pound the ball a little bit more this year just because, you know, we got our big boys coming back. And uh, and I think we got, you know, we got some good running backs. You know, we got a, a couple guys that could, that could run the ball. That's going to do a lot of great things this year. So is that going to be Caleb Barry uh, mostly t- carrying the ball for you this year? or, or you got, uh, We got – uh, we got Nico Estrada. Um, you know, he's a transfer from Cathedral. I mean, he's he's gonna probably be our our main guy, but he's a he's a he's a baller, quick, fast, can make plays. Uh, we got Caleb Berry. He's gonna be another one who, who's gonna run the ball. And then we got a guy that um, I think uh, is gonna surprise a lot of people. I think he's gonna be one of the breakout players in the county this year, named Devontae Fleming. You know, who didn't play last year because he tore his ACL, but. You know, he's, he's, he's been amazing all, all, all camp and, you know, seven on seven and things like that. I think he's going to break out. So I think we have a great stable of running backs. You know, we got a couple of fat, we got fast guys, quick guys. We got, you know, a couple of different, you know, guys that can, that can play. But I think Nico Strada is going to be our, our guy. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to have a huge year this year. And I mean, is the, is the ultimate goal? and this can be many years down the road or a year down the road, is the ultimate goal to be a head coach or do you really like the role of offensive coordinator? Uh, I, I like the role of offensive coordinator because, you know, I don't, you know, I want to be a head coach one day, but, you know, I'm not pressed on, you know, being a head coach. But my ultimate goal is, uh, you know, when I'm in my 40s, I'm still young, still in my young 30s right now. You know, I want to get to the college level, you know what I mean, and coach there. I've had some opportunities, but, you know, it just wasn't the right time because I feel like, you know, my calling right now is really giving back to these young kids. But, yeah, ultimately I want to become a head coach one day. But, you know, as of right now, I'm, I'm content being an offensive coordinator. You know, I'm, I'm, I love being at Kearney. You know, Coach Gray, like I said, I've given you opportunities that, you know, that's been great. And he's done, you know, nothing but just show me love and everything like that. So. I mean, it really, you're, you, you don't have to convince me of it. I think that wanting to be a head coach is insanity. I think that so many people don't understand the amount of non-sports related work that goes into being a head coach. The amount of just filing paperwork and logistics and dealing with parents and players and everything like that. I, I, I feel like everyone who is a head coach deserves a lot more credit and appreciation than they get. Yeah, so it's a lot of work, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. I think a lot of people don't see that. It's a lot of little stuff, minute stuff that people don't really see. But I think the benefit I have is, you know, being doing Makasi for these last four or five years, I do all that stuff anyway from that side of, you know, so I've kind of, you know, do the paperwork, speaking to parents, dealing with parents and everything like that. So uh, okay, I've kind of done that 
yeah, done that with Makasi. So I think if I do decide to be, become a head coach, you know, a transition will be a lot easier for me because I've, you know, I've dealt with that with, with Makasi these past four or five years. But, you know, like, like, like we'll see where the future holds. But right now, you know, my job is trying to, you know, help Kearney, you know, get his first year out of title in some years. So the last question I think I have about Kearney is you guys are moving up a division this year from D4 yeah. last year to Division 3 this year. Any change in the mindset for you guys? Any having to tell the kids, look, we're, we're doing something different now? Or is this trying to tell the kids, play the football you know how to play and the, and the rest will happen? Um, I think the mindset has changed definitely. I think, you know, last year with us, you know, making it to the CIF championship, it showed our kids that, you know, we can compete, you know, at the highest level, you know, as long as we work and we put in the work, you know, we took two, you know, tough losses at San Diego High last year, you know, but they, you know, ended up, you know, going on and winning the state championship. So, you know, you know, they were a really tough team, but I think the kids kind of seen it, you know, seeing there, being there, you know, being at the CIS, seeing the experience and seeing that like, you know, you can get here as long as you work hard. So, you know, this whole off season, you know, the, the, the kids have been working their butts off. They've been, you know, bonding together. So I think it's going to be, you know, now now the expectations have been raised, you know, and they're, you know, they got to live up to the expectations. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun year. And I'm, I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what we do this year. But I think we're going to do well as long as we just, you know, stick stick together as a family, you know, play hard. And I think we'll be fine. For the Comets fans out there listening, uh, he mentioned San Diego. Verlaine and company do not back away from a fight because they went ahead and dialed up another San Diego game for their senior night this year to close out the season. You guys got a lot of yeah. balls in that. That's a, that is an aggressive and bold move. And I praise you for that. Uh, but you also have Morris on the C, on the schedule this year. So you have a pair of CIF champions that you have to take on this year. So seems like you didn't shy away from any sort of strength of schedule. Uh, no, I don't think, you know, Coach Gray scheduled it. You know, I think the Morris game is going to be fun. I always, I played against them when I was the OC at Lincoln and it was, it was a fun game. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I know Morris got some guys, you know, they're physical, you know, uh, they do a great job over there. So it's going to be a good, uh, challenge for our boys. You know, we're going to go down there. So, you know, we got to go down there and compete and then, you know, we'll see what happens, but I think it's going to be a good game. Well, Verlaine, we thank you very much for spending some time with us. Um, before we get out of here, I'm, I'm, I'm like to talk to everybody that we got uh, in on, in studio or on the phone with us. Uh, with a little bit of a you know, month of summer left, you guys are going to have a, a dead period. Have you had your dead period or, or is it still coming? Yeah, up? we started it yesterday. Okay, so you got your dead period going on right now. So you got some time to enjoy your summer break. So give everybody out there some of Verlaine Batoffi's tips to enjoy a, a peak summer break. Man, just uh, uh, going to the gym, uh, hanging out with my family, hanging out with my dog, uh, you know, just hanging out with the friends. You what know, kind of dog kinda, you have? You know, I have an American Bulldog. Oh, very Pox. nice. Very nice. Yeah. Weighs like 115 pounds. He's a big baby, though. So just, uh, you know, just doing things like that, you know, uh, relaxing, getting my mind off football, you know, and, uh, you know, just getting ready for the season. Very nice. Well, Verlaine, we thank you very, very much for joining us. And uh, one more time, at Coach V Mikasi, M-A-K-A-S-I on Twitter, uh, and Team Mikasi on Twitter and Instagram. Is it at Team Mikasi on both? Yes, at Team Mikasi on both. All right, Verlaine, any party notes you want to leave San Diego with? Uh, Just everybody have a great, uh, healthy year and go out and compete. Let's have fun this year. 
Alrighty, folks, thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next time at San Diego Prep Insider. Appreciate you, Christian.